Hey, you're up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble falling asleep. Well, I'm glad you're here. This is sleep with me. Well, sleep with me is proud to present Game of Thrones, the Game of Thrones podcast. That's here to put you to sleep, but we're going to do it with an episode discussion. All you need to do is get ready for bed, get a couple extra blankets because it might be chilly. You know, brush your teeth, turn the lights down low, climb into bed, press play on this podcast somewhere in there. We turn the lights off. You know, close your eyes and go to sleep. And we're going to carry off in a dreamland. We're going to do it with an episode discussion. I may have already said that, but uh, all you need to do is get in bed. Oh, yeah, turn off the lights, press play. We're going to do the rest. What do I mean by the rest is I'm going to talk about this episode of Game of Thrones and talk about some tangential stuff that interested me about the episode. And I, I have this tendency to just go on and on. And the way it's going to work is that's going to distract you from whatever you've been thinking about. I know it's Sunday, maybe when you're listening to this, you just had a couple of days off of work. You might have had relaxing days. You got to go back to work. You might have had not so relaxing days. You know, family can be one or the other or somewhere in the great, big, wonderful in between of those extremes. But going back four days off, oh boy, if you had, maybe it worked, maybe whatever. But I'm here to distract you from whatever might keep you awake. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to create a safe place where you can just set aside all those thoughts and you can just listen to me talk about Game of Thrones and stuff related to Game of Thrones. And if you look in the show notes, there should be like time code things. So if you don't really want, aren't interested in the episode discussion, you could skip ahead to like whatever, 28 minutes or something when I start talking about stuff. It'll be subjects you might be able to relate to. You might not. Maybe you should just skip the Game of Thrones, Thrones episodes altogether. Whatever. I'm trying to help you fall asleep. I hope I help you fall asleep. Otherwise, I'm here Tuesday and Thursday with the nine Game of Thrones stuff. And I got about 100 nine Game of Thrones episodes out there. But that's it. We're a podcast to kind of lull you, bore you, soothe you, distract you. Key word, distract you from thinking and help you fall asleep. And we're on the web, www.sleepwithmepodcast.com. Game of Drones episodes are at sleepwithmepodcast.com slash drones. Or something close to that. You can get a hold of me feedback at sleepwithmepodcast.com. You can get me on Twitter at DearScooter. I try to paste, post sleep-related articles there. If you have a sleep-related article, just tweet it at me, and uh, I'll, I'll share it with everybody. Uh, Facebook is where I put the bloopers from these shows. There's a lot of blooping, um, mostly me before I get started warming up, embarrassing myself even more than you could possibly imagine. Even if you listen to this podcast, but I, you know, I don't. I guess I'm not embarrassed. So, uh, but you can listen to those on Facebook. Uh, you can talk to me on any of those formats or whatever they're, whatever. You, um, mediums, messages, I don't know, I'm not Marshall McLuhan. But that's it. Get a hold of me. Say hi. Let me know what you think. I'm glad you're here. And I hope I hope this podcast works for you. That's it. I think I said it once. I'll say it again. 
Um, that's it. I'm going to say some thank yous. And then we're going to go through the Game of Thrones episode. Then we'll just talk about stuff. And, oh, a couple of discussion points. It's only Wednesday before the Thanksgiving's tomorrow. So I don't know. I, if that's why I'm, if you said something to me, I might not be getting to it. But uh, I just want to put this out there. With the Game of Thrones episodes are have been growing to like an hour, from an hour once upon a time to an hour and a half. So now we're pushing, you know, almost, you know, hour 45-minute episodes. I've actually been cutting stuff from the last three episodes. Stuff's been cut one segment from each episode, I think, at least one, maybe. I'd have to look. I'm going to bonus that somewhere. Um, but let me know, you know, the napcasts that I have on Monday nights are rejiggered, recycled material. But um, let me know if, I, if if there's any interest or what you guys' thoughts are of me breaking the Game of Thrones episodes up into two segments. Would that be more useful as one big chunk episode that you can listen to over two nights better? Just let's open up a dialogue. I don't have any thoughts about it, but I'm just like, huh, which is going to be more better for you guys? Like me talking and then talking about the episode and then talking about the stuff. You know, because I don't have to have the napcast there, if, if but it was an experiment. So that's a, something we can you could chat in about. Well, that's it. Uh, let's get on to the thank yous and any other stuff you want. You know, any other podcast logistical um, formatting uh, equation based things. All right, thanks. Hey guys, it's me gratitude and in uh, on the uh, SS gratitude. Ship, good ship gratitude, I guess we call it. The great ship can't be stopped. It's like where the bonbon, where the uh, thank yous lay. And I'm thanking the gods today for all the wonderful ship that's not on Stannis or the Red Woman's trip. It doesn't have a stag for a head or a. Uh, like, What's our name? Shirley Temple's bids. But we gratitude. Because if we didn't, you'd probably think that's rude. All right, guys. I want to thank um, thank you for Posty Posterson. Uh, it sounds like an earful podcast uh, that uh, does our uh, music. I want to thank Scotty, Sir Scott, and his lady, Jennifer, for the artwork. The Lord and Lady of the podcast, Shannon and Jonathan. And D, our champion, Defrenestrator Nick, and by peroxy, if I, I think that might be a correct use of the word, his sidekick, Cody Kelly, formerly the Iron Man, assumed to have a much cooler nickname, but I can't think of one this moment. And we might already nicknamed him, and then I forgot it. Uh, and everyone else, gods, that listens and regularly participates, but I'm going to think of some new folks. Aaron P. over on Facebook, Gods. I want to thank you for Savas, Olivia G., Sarah I. on Twitter, Gods. Thank you. I want to thank Alex, Summer, and Jeff for the wonderful emails. Jeremy for the Facebook message. So full of gratitude. It's the gratitude that's keeping the ship afloat, Gods. Not just the SS gratitude, but the uh, Good Ship podcast. Good Ship 
boredom where people sleep. When a drone on, they don't make a peep. So she like that. God's Jeremy Lauren for a lovely comment on our uh, website. I don't know if I thanked you already, Lauren. And to the new moms group she runs, all the mothers out there. You're the mothers we love, not the mother that's a God that pushes people around, supposedly, according to rumors I've heard. But thank you, Lauren. And thank you for the mail from Kyla P., who sent me leaves from the Midwest. And even took the time, I just noticed, to put removable tabs on all the paper stuff so uh, that the leaves would not be marred, I, I believe. Thank you, Kyla P. Aunt Samara T., all the way from the beyond Canada, believe it or not, God says a place beyond Canada. Or maybe beyond like the top of Canada, Alaska. So thank you, gods. Also have iTunes reviews to thank people for gods. Patty J says podcast is awesome and then we're like a boring friend. Thank you, Patty J. CNJ Kevin, thank you from New Jersey and Kevin says the podcast puts him to sleep. Matt oh actually who has a podcast, the Obsess- obsessive viewer podcast Says it works great for him, and I just listened to Matt's podcast last night. God's believe it or not, now he's writing me a review. Last night I was listening to his podcast about Inception. Very nice podcast about movies they had. You know, God's like when we disagree, but we're agreeable. That's kind of like his podcast had that going last night. And I'm going to probably listen to another episode soon to check that out, Matt. And then... Gods, we have an epic review written by Bekaneka. Bekaneka? Yeah, Bekaneka, I'd say. Becca up in my necka. Uh, it's kind of like when I say to you, uh, Maiden, that I want to kiss your necka. Uh, Becca uh, has a wonderful, wonderful in-depth review she wrote talking about, it's just great, I, I don't even have words for it, and talking about her service and what she's learning and working with her clients and how the podcast helps her guys. And that's where I'm gratituding out because I'm just lucky to be able to help anybody. And that's what I'm grateful for is that people are like, hey, you're helping me. Thank you. And, um, you know, I, I've, I was, I want, you know, how, you know, my story got. So I don't got to tell you again, but thanks. SS Gratitude, we're here floating by floating we'll be back in a week to thank you again gods so thanks and thanks to everybody who keeps this ship afloat by um your buoyancy (laughs) the buoyancy of goodness i'm laughing because i didn't think buoyancy would be coming out of my mouth but um if i had any more shirley temple in me um, I tried to think of it, but I wanted to go out on a high note instead of doing the good ship gratitude. We're logging out and we're not in the nude. But if you need to sleep that way, go ahead, maiden. You nude would make my day. That's it, gods. Thank you. All right, folks, we're talking about season two, episode four i think i'm not even positive garden of bones it sounds like a, a 
Maybe a Bruce Springsteen album, Garden of Bones, or maybe a song. I'll take you down to the garden. I can't do Bruce Springsteen, but Garden of Bones, and I'll see you in my hall. I'll t- I guess I, I don't even try. I have something in my head that sounds like Bruce Springsteen. Garden of something. I think he does have a song, Garden of something. Um, but Garden of Bones is the name of this episode. And, um, yeah, why don't we just talk about it? I don't know what my point was. So it opens up with these two soldiers, and they're sitting there talking about who went in a fight. A bull or a lion? You know, they're kind of both like, well, lion, you know, probably a lion's going to win because it's got claws and teeth and everything, but a bull's stronger. Well, a bull would only win if it had one. And then they're like, well, who's going to win in a fight like the mountain or Jamie Lamb? You know, who, they're trying to figure out who the toughest person in Westeros is, basically. Mountain, Jamie Lannister, or Loras uh, Tyrell. And there's different things, and then they're joking at Loris's expense. And I don't know if they make any jokes at Jamie's expense. I don't know about the mountain, why nobody's making fun of him. I no one make fun of mountain. I don't know, that's my, that's my first mountain attempt. I don't think that's that far off, though. Hey, I'm mountain. <laughs> it's... it's I don't know why I'm laughing, I mean, because it's that bad. It's bad. But so then I make it fun, then they hear something. It's like, oh, there's a horse. The horses are spooked. And then the guy goes out, and he's like, boo, kind of thing. And then he farts, or he farts and says, saying, boo. And then the, this is like a, almost like a horror movie. Then, boom, Rob attacks with his wolf. And then we got this post-battle scene. And this guy's talking before we even see him. Lovely voice of sweet gravel, like a gravelly, tough voice. And then we meet Mr. Roos Bolton. He's talking to Rob. He says, I don't know where we're going to keep all these prisoners. Rob says, I don't want any executing. Mr. Bolton's like, "Not no relation to Michael Bolton. No need for Michael Bolton jokes. Uh, but he's like... Uh, I wish I knew a Michael Bolton song because then I would have been like, whatever. I, I, I get Steve Winwood and Michael Bolton mixed up, I think. Uh, make me a higher song. Take me a Bolton. Remind me a Bolton song. Oh, Michael Bolton. Michael Bolton song. Oh, I wish this was a Michael Bolton song. Oh, do-do-do. Because that would make more sense. Hands. All right, so we've asked. The singing's not going well this podcast, but he's like, yeah, I don't want this. Bolton's like, you know, don't worry. We're going to get plenty of stuff out of these guys. You know, we're going to. He says, uh, the naked man has few secrets. But the flayed man has none. He's like, that's my, you know, family. It's my family slogan, Rob. What do you think? Rob's like, there's going to be no flaying at this uh, uh, under my watch. I don't have a stomach for that. You know, Rob's got the whole honor thing going. You can tell us Roos Bolton is like uh, him. Him and him and Rob aren't cut from the same cloth. 
And then there's all these battlefield injuries, and Rob, and then we see all these bat the injuries from battle, and the whole kind of the horrors of battle. And there's a there's some of the uh, septic type nurses, and another kind of beautiful woman working on this one guy, and Rob tries to soothe him. She she's like removing one of his legs, amputating. And she's mad at Rob. And it's really, I don't want to, I, don't, I hate to take, um, be a hater. Haters going to hate, 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 hate. But dude, it is inappropriate. I'm sorry, Rob, to rain on your freaking parade. But don't, during battlefield surgery is not the time to be making gaga eyes at someone. No matter how beautiful they are and different from you. And you're like, and, and then it's. Oh, I, I don't want to go down this road, but, you know, falling head over heels for someone and, like, being like, oh, you're so exotic. He doesn't say that, but I get the sense of that. I guess, I don't know, I can't blame him for that because he's from a from the north, maybe cloistered up there. But he's like, oh, what's your name? She's like, Talissa. He's like, oh, boy, that sounds, uh, you know, just a little, I don't know why I'm so knee-jerk about this. I, I mean, I have this reaction with most of the Starks. But I just didn't like that. I mean, I liked it as a, not from a creative standpoint, just from a judging Rob standpoint, I didn't like it. <laughs> I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Come on. This is a battle. And maybe it's a portent or, if, I don't I don't know, maybe someone's to pay attention to. But she's like, you know, what the, this war, it's not good for anybody, absolutely no one. He says, say it again. She says it, war, good God, Rob. What's this good for other than your rain, you know, your war games type situation? And then she hops on the back of a wagon. She, and Rob's like, where are you from, lovely lady? She says, Volantis. And she says, goodbye. He said, well, I see you again. She's like, and then you get an idea that a sense maybe that she's like, this guy's not half bad. He's uh, so, I don't know. Will they meet again? Who knows? And then we have we get a lot of Joff this episode, and none of it is good. It starts out with a scene that first, this is probably the second or third time I saw it. Even then, I was like, "Is this a dream? Is this really happening?" Because he's yelling at Sansa, he's pointing a crossbow at her, he's like telling her she 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 needs to answer for his brother's sins. Then he calls on Sir Lancel, who I think is. Uh, Cersei's a lover, and he talks about how Rob used sorcery to summon an army of wolves, and that's how they beat this small this Lannister army. I think Tywin's brother, maybe. I'm not positive on that. And then Joff's like, you know, having Sir, Ma- Sir Marin attack Sansa, and then Tyrion walks in. He's like, what the hell is going What the frick is wrong with you? You know, this is your bride. You're acting like worse than a jerk. You got all these peons here egging you on. And Joff says, the king can do what he likes. I think he says that. And Tyrion's like, oh, no, you can't. Like, uh, yeah. And then Maren's like, are you threatening the king? And uh, he says, Bron, the next time Sir Maren speaks, kill him. And Brown's like, Brown gives just the Brown face. Man, sounds good, man. And uh, he says, that's a threat, Marin. And then he takes Sansa out very kindly, gently. He says, do you want to end this engagement? 
Then we get this wonderful window into Sansa's state, her emotional, mental state. Because she just puts on this hard, cold face and she says, no, I'm loyal. She says, no, I'm loyal to King Joffrey, my one true love. Beautiful acting and... uh, I, I don't know, but also terribly sad. Then we have this side with Bronn. He's like, maybe the king has come of age and he just needs to uh, be with a woman. And then they set it up as a name day present to have Roz actually there with another woman. And first Joff wants to watch. And then it takes this turn where we just learn that Joffrey who's barely, has no respect for other human beings and is just a horrible, horrible person. And uh, I don't think there's anything else to say about it. Then we're at Ren- Renly's camp and Baelish shows up and Renly is really go- getting the lines here. He says, well, if this is my favorite whoremonger, and he says, was my brother's body even cold before you found a new patron? Baelish says, I'm a practical man just not a loyal one. And then he says, I don't like you, Lord Baelish. I don't like your face. I don't like the words that come oozing out of your mouth. I don't like your face. I don't like the words that come oozing out of your mouth. Renly's really, uh, he's a, he's a bit of a riot watching him. And, but he's like, well, what do you want? Baelish is like, well, if you're going to come invade King's Land, do you want a protracted siege or open gates? And then he's like, get out of here. And then we see Baelish with Queen Marjorie or Princess Marjorie, however you want to refer to her. And he's asking all these questions, like alluding to uh, the fact that Renly and Loras have a sexual relationship or Renly's gay or whatever. He's on mama. And Marjorie's just so cool. She's cool, cooler than a cucumber. I don't even know if they have cucumbers in Westeros. Probably from her hometown, because she's like the from the farm area. But she's cool as any fruit or vegetable. But she's just like he's. She's like, you seem awfully interested in my marriage. And Baelish has a good line. He says, "Well, your marriage is quite interesting." And she starts to destroy him. She's like, you've never been married, have you? And he says, ah, I've been unlucky in my affections, sadly. And then she just has this nice line. She says, that is sad. I don't know what, just the way she said it. And then she goes, she says, well, the whole notion of marriage seems to confuse you, Baelish. And then she says, let me put it to you straight. My husband is my king, and my king is my husband. Now get out of my face and get your stinky breath out of here. Kind of like that's the Game of Thrones I'm playing. I know what your owners even understand it, the Game of Thrones you're playing, but get it out of my face. Then we're back at Camp Khaleesi. A rider rolls in. He's like, she's like, where'd you get that horse? He's like, from the 13 of Karth. You know, they'd be honored to receive the Queen of Dragons. And then uh, Jor- Sir Jorah's like, whoa, Khaleesi, the desert around their walls is called the Garden of Bones. And I was like, uh-oh. Then we go to this melted castle that was melted by dragons, and we're there with Arya and uh, Hot Pie 
and the other guy. And it seems to be some kind of prison camp where they're trying to get information from their uh, prisoners. And then that night we hear Arya using that, um, where she starts to say the names of her enemies before she goes to sleep. And she says, like, Cersei, uh, the Hound, Joffrey, Ellen Payne. And she just keeps repeating it over. I think she was the Hound, Joffrey, Cersei, Ellen Payne. Then we get Baelish and Cat Stark, Caitlin Stark. She's mad at him, yelling at him. He's like, oh, please, 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 please. And then he goes there. He goes there more than once in the scene. He says, well, do you? She's like, I hate you. You're a jerk. You're a scumbag traitor. He's like, well, do you want to see your girls again? And then he even lies and says, oh, you've seen Arya. And she says, uh, well, what do you want? He says, just give us the Kingslayer. She's like, Rob's not going to give up the Kingslayer for my girls. And Bailey's like, well, I'm off making an offer to you. Consider it. And they even brought you a gift from Tyrion to think about it. And it's Ned's remains. And she says, get out. I liked how she said that. Then we go back to Arya sleep. So that's good that her chant put her to sleep. And we get the mountain coming over, and he's going to pick out the next person to mess with today to get information from. And Hot Pie is trying to just stare at him because some other guy said to stare at him, but then that's the guy that gets picked. And they're asking about some brotherhood. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll look into that. Uh, it's called the Brotherhood Without Banners. I and mean, we might have talked about it either this season or last season. And that doesn't go well. And we'll get any information. And then Arya adds Polliver, who's like one of the, the dudes working there in the mountain to her chance for the night. I think Polliver's the guy that has her sword. The hell kind of name is Polliver anyway? It's Oliver. Polliver? Polliver? I don't know, no offense if your name's Polliver, but just haven't, hadn't heard of it before. Of course, I haven't been in Westeros. What do you... Yeah, I guess he's a Lannister stooge or a mountain crony. I don't know which one. And then we're out on the coast and we see uh, Renly, some people from Renly and his banner. And then we see this other banner with a stag and a flaming heart. And then we see it's Stannis and the Red Woman and Stannis's posse and they're meeting and Kat's there. And then we just get some more great dialogue from Renly. Uh Renly is actually able to be re like he he doesn't come across as uppity even though he's very mean he, he, he's got a nice I guess he has no edge maybe is that it I don't know he doesn't come across as passive aggressive or um better than people but he definitely is mean with his words I don't know it's funny um and maybe that's why he's so popular I don't know but he's he's like, whoa, dude, Stance, why is your uh, heart on? Why is your stag on fire? And in a typical relationship where you see who's the boss, the uh, red woman speaks instead of Stannis. She says the king is chosen for his sigil, the fiery heart of the Lord of Light. And then you know, Renly's like, brother, is this the uh, fiery priestess we've heard so much about? Like now I understand why you take up a religion in your old age. And then he says, you know, you've always been charmless or something, rigid and a bore, but never a godly man. And then the red woman's like, 
uh, this is King Stannis, whatever, he is born of salt and smoke. And Renly's born of salt and smoke. Was he a pig? Renly's just killing it. It's like he's on the Kingdom Comedy Tour. King Westeros, Kings of Comedy. Again, well, maybe. And then he, but then he, then he kind of goes in the military. He goes, listen, dude, no one wants you as king. You've never been friends with anybody. You're a jerk. I'm nice. People want me as king. They don't want you. And Stannis is like, listen, dude, you're messing with the wrong person. I'm going to destroy you. Renly's like, bring it. Stannis is like, I'm just warning you. I've got it. You know, again, it's already been brought in. So don't, don't do it. And, uh. He's like, you know, I'll even make you my heir till I have a son. But, you know, I'm going to have to destroy you, Renly. And Renly's like, ah, oh, whatever. I got a lot of soldiers. And then they start to ride off. And the Red Woman says, look to your sins, Lord Renly. The night is dark and full of terror. She's got these nice uh, sidelines, I guess, or whatever you want to call them. Then we're back with the Khaleesi. They're outside this City, the walls of the city. Some soldiers come out. They're like, "Oh, soldiers!" And I'm like, "Well, this could just be, you know, precautionary." And a bunch of, uh, you know, commerce type guys come out. Rich guy looking leaders. And this one guy's that takes it. He's like, "We're the thirteen. I'm just a spice trader. We run things here. This is Carth, the greatest city that it ever was and would be." And then it's cute. Khaleesi goes, "Quarth." Is it Quarth? He says, Carth. Don't, don't get it wrong again. And he says, we'd like, you know, if you want to come in, we'd love to see your dragons. She says, I'm not a liar. I'm not showing you my dragons. And he's like, all right, well, forget it. You know, we'll just leave you out here. And he's just like, well, if you, don't, if you can't do that. And he's like, well, we, we, we can. And she's like, where I come from, guests are treated with respect. And then he's like, well, why don't you go back where you came from? And she's like, oh, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. She's like, I'm going to destroy all of you if you don't let me in. And she, they're like, well, you got nowhere to go. It's a kind of standoff. But you do get the sense that Khaleesi is not to be messed with, even though they need water and stuff. And everyone's like, oh, what's going to And then this guy comes out of nowhere. He's like, I invoke Sumai. And he cuts his hand. He says, you'll be my guest. I vouch for all of you. And they open the doors. It looks like a lovely place. And uh, I, I don't know. That's uh, that's it. And then we go back to Hall, and they pick uh, the the guy, Arya's friend. I don't know why I can't think of his name right now, but the, the tall guy. And she's like, oh, no, you know, my buddy. And again, I ask him about the brotherhood with brotherhood and about something. He's like, I don't know what we I don't know anything. We're just captives. And then Tywin rolls in. He's like, what are you doing with these prisoners? Why aren't they working? Who's running things here? We don't, you know, we don't abuse prisoners. We use them. What does this kid do? He's a freaking smith. Why are you going to torture him or hurt him? Get him to work. And then he's like, what are you looking at, kid? To Arya. And she's like, blah, blah, blah. And then the guy's like, you know, this is like a girl. And he's like, no, it's a boy. So no, it's a girl. So I need a new cupbearer. She's smart. Send her to my place. And we have Tyrion in his room, and Lancel shows up. He's like, here's uh, her grace's request. And Tyrion's like, why are you bringing this to me in the middle of the night? You smell like lavender oil. 
That's what Cersei wears. And he's like, what's what's Joffrey and, and Jamie going to say when they find out? Was, Lancel's like, oh, I, it's not my fault. She forced me to, you know, sleep with her. I did as I was told. And then Tyrion's like, oh, I, his grace will want to hear about this. Let me go get him. And Lancel falls. for Oh, he's falling all over. Tyrion's like, okay, just go back and do what she says and spy for me. And then we get this beautiful image of a stag, masthead, and then Stannis and Davos are on this boat, and they're talking about Stannis. Stannis is asking Davos about how he wears his knuckle bones or keeps his knuckle bones with him or something. That's Stannis, and they talk about that. Nice little interchange. And he's like, and he's just, you know, speaking of punishing you for stuff, and now I need you to smuggle someone. You just smuggle the red woman ashore. And then you get him and the red woman rowing ashore or getting ashore. He's like, the red woman's like, are you afraid? I like she calls him Onion Knight. She's like, are you afraid, Onion Knight? And he's just killing it. He, again, he's like, someone once told me the night is dark and full of terror. And then she's like, well, are you a good man, Sir Davos? He's like, eh, nah, I'm, I'd say I'm mixed. You know, I'm some good, some bad. And she's like, well, there's, you know, there's no middle ground. He's like, well, you know, I'm a knight. And she's like, you know, I just got, I got to do what I'm told. So she's like, I'm a knight myself, kind of. I'm a champion of the Lord of Light. And you have this line you could miss. He says, well, that's very nice for you. And uh, she doesn't like that. And he says, it's strange this Lord of Light has you work in the shadows. And she has an answer for that one. And then she, uh, she's like, hold on, I'm going to give birth to a demon and uh, or some black smoke situation. And then that's the end of the episode. So what are we going to talk about tonight about uh, this episode? We're going to talk about Volantis, find out what that is. We're going to talk a little bit about Lancel Lannister. Look into the Brotherhood Without Banners quick. But maybe figure out what that battle was that Rob fought. Talk about gauntlets. Celebrity death match, essential oils. Yeah, we got a um, listener talking back to the podcast in a good way, or a listener. I don't know how to describe it. I'll think of it when it gets to that segment, and then we'll hopefully Sir Pounce and the prayers, and we'll be. That's it. Thanks for listening. I hope I help you fall asleep. All right. So Volantis, the woman that Rob is drooling over. While she's trying to save someone's life, Rob, uh, she says she's from Volantis. I forgot her name already. Hopefully it'll come to me. But this is from Game of Thrones Wicca. Volantis is the oldest, the first colony of Valeria. After the doom, the Volantes tried to rebuild the empire under their rule. They failed. Not least because of the last Valerian with the dragons. Aegon Targaryen entered the war against them. Now they are content to dominate only their lower classes, or so they say. That's a quote from Sir Jorah discussing the free cities. And now in the words of uh, Game of Thrones Wicca, Volantis is one of the free cities located east of Westeros. It is the southernmost and oldest of the free cities and located on the southern coast of Essos along the Summer Sea at the mouth of the Rhone River. It was founded as a colony of Valeria many years ago. It is a great port. 
people from Volantis are known as the Volantine. Volantine, yeah. They are ruled by the Triarchs. Only those who can trace their lineage back to the times of Valeria may become candidates to the post of Triarch. The city welcomes a mixture of religions but holds a large temple devoted to the worship of the Lord of Light. Uh-oh. The harbor metropolis lies on both sides of the one of the many mouths of the Rhone. The river is spanned by a great structure known as the Long Bridge. Volantis is ruled by a noble class, but also possesses a large number of slaves. Slaves are tattooed on the face so they are easily identified. A fish tattoo indicates that a slave works on a fishing vessel. In Volantis, it is death for a slave to touch a noble. The Volantine despise Westerosi, regarding them as grim, stinking barbarians. Oh, Talissa was the name of that woman. So that's uh, Volant- That's just a little update on Volantis, where Talissa is from. So Talissa is from Volantis. Good for her. It sounds like a, a nice place if you're not a Westerosi or a slave. Jerks. Okay, guys. Every once in a while I talk about why this podcast is so wonderful. And it's mostly because of you guys that are listening. And when you tell me funny things or you do nice things or you participate or you tell me your stories, heartfelt um, or or not heartfelt. But I just got an email from uh, Erica D. Uh, and she said she was listening to this thing about Brittany Gallivan, podcast hero, Brittany Gallivan. Now, uh, never mind, I'll talk about Erica D. on another episode uh, because I think she, we were giving her a job. Um, but so she was like, this Brittany Gallivan thing has got my wheels turning. And so Erica D. was like, I'm going to take, you know, some of your questions about Brittany and figure them friggin' out. She's like, I'm going to take science and math and mash them friggin' together and calculate some she, she's pulling a gallivant, basically. So, uh, I, I, hopefully, I, I, yeah. So, here's the setup from Erica's email. A few episodes ago, while you were doing your segment on Brittany and paper folding, you asked about the energy required to fold paper. For some reason, this piqued my interest, and I figured I'd revive my physics brain and figure it out roughly. Here's the results. The results are... For the minimum amount of energy required under Earth-like conditions, gravity to fold gold or printer paper in half n times, they don't include the energy required for the person folding the paper to move or position themselves as they fold. Uh, so to blink once, the energy in joules would be 2.3 E minus 18, which uh, would be three folds of gold paper or less than one fold of regular paper. To jump as high as you can, the energy in joules is 3.0 E plus 0.2, which is equivalent of 16 folds of gold paper or 10 folds of printer paper. So you have that as jumping once as high as you can. Uh, to walk one mile is 3.9 E plus 0.5, and that's like 18 folds of gold paper, 12 folds of regular paper. Make one flatbread pizza. <laughs> That's funny. Real-time recipe time. That's 3.1e, 0.06, plus 0.06, uh, 19 folds of gold, 12 folds of regular paper. Uh, lightning bolt uh, would be 
of, of uh, the energy in a lightning bolt would be 1.0 E plus 0.9, 20 folds of paper, 15, 20 folds of gold, 15 folds of regular paper. Yearly global energy consumption is 6.4 E plus 19, 27 folds of gold, and 21 folds of paper. And here's where it, the, the summary is where it gets interesting. To summarize, you'd run out of energy in the observable universe in as half as many folds as it would take to reach the height of the observable universe. Remember from that other thing. So to summarize again, you'd run out of energy in the observable universe in half as many folds as it would take to reach the height of the observable universe. And this is the stuff you can learn from. You can only get to fold 60 with gold and 54 with regular printer paper. Somewhere between folds 20 and 21 for gold and between folds 15 and 16 for paper, humans get totally screwed, As and it becomes unrealistic that a human could do the task under their own power in a reasonable amount of time. But, Erica says, she'd be more worried about the cost of the gold paper, though Brittany's 12 folds would have cost $71. 13 folds is $1,200 in gold. And 6.2 million by fold 16, and 1.8 billion by fold 18. We'd run out of money on Earth before we could pay for fold 24. And she has the numbers for every single uh, fold up to, holy cow, for, uh, let's see. So Erica has every fold, the energy required to fold, and the cost for the gold in, in this uh, chart. She has all the math, which I'll read here, just to, and then here's all the math, which is even, you know, this is great stuff, and this is like twofold, ba-boom. Really, though, it's a unbelievably interesting, a threefold, because it's interesting stuff, even though I might, I don't know if I understand it. It's wonderful, wonderful. Thank you, Erica, for following your curiosity. That's what this podcast is about, um... Unfortunately, is when I follow my curiosity, it's boring, um, and then you know sometimes math's boring, especially the details. So let's get into the details. That'd be fold three. My two references uh, here's the math. We're curious. It gets a bit dry from here. Uh, the two references are Brittany's formula for minimum length of the paper in a Wikipedia page on how much energy various activities consume. Thickness of gold leaf is 1.2 times 10 to the fifth power, negative fifth power, I don't know, centimeters. And then paper is 0.005 centimeters. The density of gold is 19.30 grams per cubic centimeter. Paper is 1.49 grams per cubic centimeter. The mass of an 8.5 by by 11 piece of paper and Eric, of course, included it in uh, uh, metric. Oh, this is just great. Uh, mass equals density times length times width times thickness. So the mass of a, a piece of gold 8 by 11 paper is uh, 0.147 grams. A regular paper paper is 4.48 grams. And she has all the math there. Uh, how big does the piece of paper need to be? According to Brittany, who Erica says she believes, the longest side has to be length L, where N is the number of required folds and T is the thickness. 
L equals pi times T divided by 6 times 2 to the nth plus 4 power times 2 to the nth minus 1 or something. Again, I, I, I did not pass any math. Uh, for, any, for, for, any, for any sort of stability while folding the paper must be roughly square, which gives us the following. Surface area L, uh, there's all sorts of numbers here, which, uh, Erica, thank you, but I have no, you know, this, I don't even know how to pronounce some of this stuff. Uh, energy per fold. The lowest en energy way I could think of to fold a giant piece of paper would be to lift one end of the paper as little as possible and then move it to meet the other end. No, it's, this is this brilliant thinking here. Uh, that, uh, I'm so thankful. Also, I'm going to assume that we're doing our energy expenditure on Earth, but this is particularly bad assumption. So, holy Erica, oof. thinking outside the box and outside the... Uh, okay, so let me just say that again. Energy per fold. The lowest energy way I could think of was a fold of giant piece of paper would be to lift one end of the paper as little as possible and move it to meet the other end. But that's making the assumption we're doing it on Earth, which is a bad assumption, according to Erica, because as we start making the folds, that takes us into space and through different gravitational fields. First, we need to lift half the mass of the piece of paper. The energy required to lift the paper for fold N, not all folds. Mass lifted times gravitational constant of Earth times the thickness of the folded paper. Uh, energy required to fold the paper, and there's more math in there. Energy required to fold, to move paper for fold, fold N. Okay, so this is an extra part of it. The drag force from the air resistance is dependent on the velocity at which we move the paper. Back to Erica's point of moving it slowly. So we can minimize the energy by moving a paper extremely slowly. So the total energy required to move the paper or gold N times is roughly... One of those things that looks like an E from I equals 1 to I equals N of, and then an unbelievably complex equation. This will all be in the show notes. And I'm not even, uh, Erica, thank you so much for, again, following and saying, hey, that's interesting. Let me, and, and that's interesting to me, which is different than what's interesting to Scooter here. And so, like you're another podcast hero now. I think I had a. I was originally going to have you guys be the ambassadors because I think Eric is out traveling, and you're going to be the toad eaters of the podcast. But now, Erica and Brittany, podcast heroes, uh, and and this, and I want you you know to take this example and follow you know follow your curiosity. It doesn't have to be about this podcast. This is where. You learn that there's tucked away in these corners of life, even in these dull corners of life. That's where the magic is, folks. And uh, maybe, maybe other people are getting pleasure out of this. I'm, I'm, I'm like vibrating with pleasure. And maybe Erica's delve into this, revitalize some sort of physics, math brain that she's next thing you know they're gonna be like, uh, this just in. Eric D just uh, unlocked the freaking shits things for the space elevator we were been talking about in sci-fi, and that's it. She figured out her and Brittany Galvan got together. They had a cup of coffee uh, between the two of them because that's all they needed, and boom, they started freaking. They took a fork, they did some math and some calculations. They realized this thing, 
and boom, space elevator is going to be done. And, you know, they got uh, Elon Musk on the horn because no one else, of course, when Brittany and Erica brought this to the regular people, they're like, oh, no, no, that idea is dumb. And then they brought it to me. I said, that idea is great. I don't understand it. But then they brought it to Elon Musk. He said, you know what? I've been trying to crack this thing. You know, I've had a freaking whole, every team, Team Musk and Team Non-Musk on it. You know, I've been freaking rubbing essential oils on my toes because that's what I do for luck. And I couldn't crack, you know, in the, what do they call, what do you guys call yourselves? And they said, we're podcast heroes and we're just trying to help the world. And so we need to know the space elevator is going to be used like Brotherhood without banners of space elevators. And Elon Musk says, you know what? That's my game. But, you know, put putting Elon Musk is my name. Making stuff is my game, especially when it's, like, based on strange curiosities. And so he's like, not only are we going to have a space elevator, we're going to throw a hyperloop on it, and we'll figure out some way to bring, you know, good stuff to Earth. So, uh, uh, so thanks for listening to that, and thank you, Erica for this delightful experience. All right, we continue our, uh, you know, I apologize for just using Wikipedia and Game of Thrones Wicca, but it's Thanksgiving, you know. So over at the Game of Thrones Wicca, again, we got Lancel Lannister. Sir Lancel is a recurring character in the Game of Thrones. He is played by Eugene Simon and debuts in Lord Snow. Lancel Lannister was the squire to King Robert Baratheon, and ensured Robert had plenty of wine. Oh, I didn't real. I didn't make that connection. I'm honest. Honestly, did not. That he had plenty of wine during his final hunt. So he was the wine bearer on that hunt. I didn't. Oof. Now I really don't like Lancel. Following King Robert's death, he becomes a lover of Cersei Lannister. His first cousin is elevated to knighthood. Background. Lancel Lannister is the son of Sir Kevin Lannister and the nephew of Lord Tywin Lannister, the head of House Lannister and the Lord of Casterly Rock. He is the first cousin of Jaime, Cersei, and Tyrion Lannister. He has a f- the familial blonde hair and resembles his cousin Jaime. Well, that's generous. He's a squire to King Robert Baratheon. So in season one, we don't need to run through the seasons here. Lancel, frickin' Lancel. So that's a, just a bit of... So yeah, that's a little bit about Lancel Lannister. A little Lancel Lannister, the lout. Uh, something else that came up that I noticed made me think of a show that I never actually watched, sadly enough, or now I'm sad, is a Celebrity Deathmatch, because they're talking about who's tougher. Uh, they're trying to figure out who's tougher, the mountain, Jamie Lannister, or Sir Loras. So, and then I was like, oh, yeah, remember that show, Celebrity Deathmatch on MTV? So I looked it up. I would kind of remember it, but I don't remember watching it. Death, Celebrity Deathmatch was a claymation, this is from Wikipedia, television show that depicted celebrities against each other in a wrestling ring, always, almost always ending in the loser's imaginary, my words, gruesome death, uh, it was known for various power-ups, weapons, excessive amount of blood, pretend blood. This is a claymation, remember, and uh, exaggerated physical injuries. The series was created by Eric Fogel with the pilots airing on MTV January 1st and 25th, 1998. Whoa. The series ran from May 14th, 1998 to October 20th, 2002. 
and lasted for 75 episodes. There was also a special professional wrestler Stone called Steve Austin. Gave his voice to the animated form as a guest commentary. Early in 2003, a film was announced, but it was canceled. Uh, in 2005, MTV2 announced the revival of the show as part of their second Friday. Originally set to return in 2005, it was pushed back to 2006 as part of a sickimation block with two other animated shows. The fifth season was produced by Cup of Coffee Studios. The premiere drew over 2.5 million viewers, making MTV2's highest-rated season premiere ever. It was canceled again in 2007. Some of the main characters were Johnny Gomez, played by Maurice Schiffler, and Jim Thornton. Nick Diamond, played by Olin Maxwell and Chris Edgerly. What? Chris Edgerly. This name sticks out to me. Mills Lane, played by himself and then Chris Edgerly. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, Vince McMahon. Debbie Matinopoulos. Talissa Wong, who played herself. Tally Wong, played by Mayasa Moyo. Marv Albert, played by Buck Lee. Phil the Popcorn McGuy, played by Jim Conroy. Nicky Diamond Jr., played by Brendan Muller. Uh, so that's it. So Celebrity Deathmatch death History was on Cartoon Sushi as a short, I guess, and then it was in the MTV Super Bowl 32 halftime special, and then it was on MTV's main lineup. It was popular enough for Eric Fogel to be named one of the most creative people in the TV industry by Entertainment Weekly. During the next four seasons, it became more popular in other countries and gained viewers from all over the world. But then in 2002, MTV decided to cancel the show. Soundtrack. MTV asked Marilyn Manson to write a song about the show. Manson composed a song about people's obsession with violence with violence and how they're influenced by TV, which he felt fit the show's satire about society. Astonishing panorama, panorama, astonishing panorama of the end times became the only single off the Celebrity Deathmatch soundtrack. It was nominated in 2001 for Best Metal Performance Grammy Award and later included on Manson's album Last Two on Earth. So that is uh, Celebrity Deathmatch. There you go. All right, what's this brotherhood without banners that uh, the mountains people are quizzing their captives about? I want to look that up. I went over to Game of Thrones Wicca, of course. Brotherhood without banners. That's what we are, ghosts. Waiting for you in the dark. You can't see us, but we see you. No matter whose cloak you wear, Lannister, Stark, Baratheon, you prey on the weak, and the Brotherhood without banners will hunt you down. And that's Beric Dondarrion talking to somebody in the future. Uh, it's kind of like the A-Team. I think I made that the last time this got brought up. The Brotherhood Without Banners is an outlaw group working against the Lannister interests in the Riverlands at the time of the War of Five Kings. That's where we are right now. Their goal is to protect the small folk from any force preying on them, regardless of which king or lord they support. The group was indirectly created by Eddard Stark when he sent Eddard Stark when he sent out a force of knights to restore peace and justice to the Riverlands bolstered by several of his own household guards from King House Stark, trapped behind enemy lines and became a guerrilla fighting group, and were joined by deserters from different armies in the war as well as commoners trying to defend their homes. 
the Brotherhood continues to fight to protect the commoners of the Riverlands in the name of King Robert and Lord Eddard. History. The Brotherhood Without Banners is formed in the aftermath of the battle at Mummers Ford in which the host assembled by Eddard Stark to arrest and execute the mountain under the leadership of Lord Beric Dondarrion was ambushed. The survivors were trapped behind enemy lines, but led by Dondarrion and Thoris of Mir, they formed the Brotherhood to harass Lannister forces. Over time, they began to feel that none of the factions in the War of Five Kings, the Starks or the Lannisters, were looking out for the welfare of the small folk. Stark raiding parties would burn farms in the Riverland just to deny their resources to the Lannisters, and the Lannisters would do the same. Therefore, the Brotherhood decided to fight for no banner of one king or another in the war, but to fight to defend the common people against the raiding parties of the soldiers who would prey on the weak during the war. From the core group, which was originally sent out by Eddard Stark, the Brotherhood gained new members as it was joined by deserters. You know, we talked about that. So that's uh, Brotherhood Without Banners, a little update on that. Okay, so I, I have not had a chance, I'll be honest, to watch the extras for this uh, episode or the last episode of uh, Game of Thrones on HBO Go. So I apologize if I'm recovering anything covered by HBO. But I was trying to figure out what the battle was. That So, like, the guys are talking there, the two uh, Lannister soldiers about who's tougher. And then Rob comes, and then, the, then we see the aftermath of this great battle which is understandable considering it's a TV show. Uh, I think I read somewhere a a long time ago. It's like, okay, well, we don't have the budget to show tons and tons of battles here. So they just went to the aftermath of the battle. I don't even know if the battle was in the book. I don't know. But I I was like, what battle was that? Because it seemed like a pretty big battle. And so I looked it up for you. And I believe it was the Battle of Oxcross. Well, yeah, it looks like it's... Using some vile sorcery, your brother fell on Stafford Lannister with an army of wolves. Thousands of good men passed away. After they passed away, that's my uh, uh, changes there. Make it more sleep-friendly. The Northmen did some stuff. And this is from Game of Thrones Wicca, as always tonight. Just trying to catch up on some Game of Thrones history, you know. The Battle of Oxcross is a major engagement in the War of the Five Kings. It occurs largely off-screen in Garden of Bones. The army of House Stark in the Riverlands moves into the Westerlands to attack a host of House Lannister reinforcements camped near the town of Oxcross. Following through on King Rob Stark's promise to give Queen Cersei Lannister another whispering wood, the battle was a decisive Stark victory with the Lannister host under the command of Sir Stafford Lannister destroyed, and Stafford himself killed. History. Prelude. These are my terms. If the Queen Regent and her son meet them, I'll give them peace. If not, I will litter the south with Lannister dead, King Rob Stark. Having won a trio of victories in the Riverland, Riverlands, the army of House Stark under the command of King Rob I is expected to march on the host of Lord Tywin Lannister, which has regrouped in Harrenhal. The Lannister force under Sir Jaime has been decimated, and Jamie himself captured. Meanwhile, a group of Lannister reinforcements under the command of Sir Safford Lannister is assembled at Ox Cross on the border between the Riverlands and the Westerlands. Battle. King Rob's forces assault Sir Stafford's camp in a nighttime raid. 
Rob's direwolf Greywind sneaks up on the Lannister camp, kills several sentries, and panics their horses. As a massive rain breaks out, Rob prepares to lead the charge. Rob's bannermen cry out, the king of the north, king in the north, and draw their swords. The surprised Lannister army is easily slaughtered as they are roused from sleep by the Stark cavalry. The battle is a decisive victory for the Stark forces. Lord Roose Bolton reports Lannister casualties outnumbering Stark losses in a five-to-one ratio. Thousands of Lannister soldiers are dead. The Lannister commander, Sir Stafford Lannister, a cousin of Lord Tywin, is killed in the battle, and a number of Lannister officers are captured. And then the aftermath happens in the rest of the episodes. We don't, but that's, so that's the Battle of Oxcross that we we saw the beginning before it happened, and then the aftermath it makes up drives a lot of the action in this episode, Garden of Bones. So Battle of Oxcross. All right, so at some point in this episode, we see the mountain who have done to imitate, well, be mountain, put hand down. And he puts his hand down, mountain put hand on wood. And we see, uh, he's, he's we, he, you know, his gloves and he has, and I'm like, are those gauntlets that he's wearing? Because I always, you know, if you play uh, any kind of uh, role-playing game, you always have gauntlets, which kind of go on your forearms. And I'm always like, do these do anything? Why am I paying? You know, again, I, I kind of have, you know, I don't invest my full attention in when I've played role-playing games. In fact, I have the friggin', um, what is it, Bard's? No, not Bard's Tale. Remember Bard's Tale? My friend had that on his Apple II GS, but I think I downloaded uh, Baldur's Gate, and I have yet to get past the first thing on my, my iPad. I think I had played it way back. Anyway, not important. So gauntlets, I'm like, I, I've seen them, but I don't know what the heck they exactly are. So let's let's take, oh, uh, you learn, you learn gauntlets now or mountain, you know, I am mountain. All right, mountain. Well, uh, hey, mountain, do you ever, have you ever thought about being on podcast before? A break podcast, I am mountain. Oh, okay. Um. Yeah, you'd be fun to, to uh, you know, how, would you know if I was making fun of you, Mountain? Mountain, uh, fun break. Breaking is fun for Mountain. Yeah, no, I know. Um, but, you know, like, because I'd have trouble controlling not picking on your Mountain. And then I'm just wondering, you know, if you'd try anything shifty. Uh, mountain, no shifty. No shifty. I crush, I break shifty good. I'll break him now. Okay, so we'll talk about it later. All right, so there's a mountain, and we were talking about his gauntlets. What is a gauntlet? Well, I don't know if we're on Wikipedia, it says gauntlet, parentheses, glove. So maybe it's just glove, and then what's bracers? I don't know. I didn't look that up, but then I'm like, oh, yeah, well, you need bracers, too, and then you got to pay for that. Why, why can't they? Whatever. You know what you have to buy, gauntlets and gloves? I don't know. It's been a little while. Gauntlet's a name for several different styles of gloves, particularly those with an extended cuff covering part of the forearm. Gauntlets, gauntlets exist in many forms, ranging from flexible fabric and leather gloves to mail and fully articulated plate armor. So types. Historically, gauntlets are used by soldiers and knights. It was an important piece of armor since the hands and arms are vulnerable in hand-to-hand combat. No shit. With the uh, rise of firearms, we don't need to look into that. We're just talking. Some medieval gauntlets had a built-in knuckle duster. When the hand was bunched into a fist, the backhand protection becomes 
more pronounced from the fist just above the knuckles. This allowed the user to utilize the gauntlet as a melee weapon while still protecting the hand from damage while punching. Mountains definitely probably got that. However, against an armed combatant, the use of this feature would have been risky, so it's unlikely that the gauntlet would have been used. Do you have knuckle duster on your gauntlet? Uh, I no need to a break. And my, my, my knuckles break anyway. Okay. Yeah, he doesn't have that. Um, man, I might have a new person of work and sidekick on this podcast. Mountain, are you busy? No busy till season next season. Okay, great. He's not busy till next season. Um, but if uh, more suitable... You guys, let me know if you if I want the mountain to sit in. Because uh, he just stares anyway. Uh so he, he might be good to sit in, and I could just throw it to him every once in a while. Uh, but if the, if, if of course he could attack me, and we, you know, because I might say something. Uh, Mountain, did you have uh, any garbage today? Because you you smell a bit like garbage. No, I thought we throw too many garbage, and uh, fight them roll around in it. So that's why I smell garbage. Oh, okay, well, that's a straight answer. Okay. um... Anyway, let's get back to these gauntlets. However, use of this fixture's risky. Modus Shabrai, get a weapon. That was the knuckle dusters. It's a little distracting, I guess, having the mountain. Can you mount? Can you move away? Thanks, because I'm trying to get the, through this segment. I break segment off you. No, no, no. I'm your friend. I'm friend. Friend. No mountain have no friends. He have uh, allies. Okay, I'm here. Uh, okay. Okay, I gotta concentrate here. Um, a demi gauntlet, also called demi gaunt for short, he would never have anything. Is a, a plate armor gauntlet that only protects the back of the hand and the wrist. Poor sport industry and science. Furthermore, protective gauntlets are supposed sometimes worn by automotive technicians and butchers, sword fighting reenactments, falconry. Cool. Drum corps. Uh, they sometimes have them. fashion. Ooh, very popular with fans of heavy metal music, according to this. Idioms. Does anybody ever call you an idiom, Mountain? Uh, I call an idiot, and then I kill them. As an idiom is a much different term. Oh, you know what? I don't even know what idiom means. Because you idiot. And I burned. I just got burned by the mountain, uh, metaphorically. Throwing down the gauntlet. To throw down the gauntlet is to issue a challenge. A gauntlet-wearing knight would challenge a fellow knight or enemy by throwing one of his gauntlets to the ground. The opponent would pick up the gauntlet to accept the challenge. The phrase is associated particularly with the action of the king's champion, whose officers, which officer's role was to act as champion for the king at his coronation. In the unlikely event, someone challenged the title to the king's title to the throne. Run the gauntlet was a military punishment in which a soldier or sailor had to pass between a double row of comrades armed with cudgels. The expression is now used metaphorically. Gauntlet in this context was, okay, so it was really unrelated to glove. So that's gauntlet, and um, unexpectedly, uh, hold on one second, folks. Are you gonna st- I got other segments that aren't related to gauntlets or you, I think. So are you going to stay here? Because or why don't you go out? Uh, hmm. Just stay there, I guess. Okay, so I don't know. I, I figured out this mountain thing. 
But yeah, so uh, that's Gauntlets. Okay, so I sold the mountain. He could sit in for one more um, se- a segment, and then he would have to leave. Say, I may sit later. Leave later after this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. So he's gonna do this now. A lot of came up about um, Circe wearing lavender oil, uh, and I don't want to get into it with the mountain here about my feelings about Circe. Wait, what are you looking at? I didn't say anything about my feet. I just said, you're the queen. No, no, don't worry about it, okay? That's all I said. Talking about, you know, Lancel Lannister sleep, sleeping with her? Wait, what? Lancel Lannister sleep with Cersei, Queen Cersei. Yeah. Uh, technically, she's single now. I must uh, threaten him but not break him if unless she had... Uh, is it a she's yeah they're in it's it's like a uh okay this is tough stuff with this okay so it made me think of uh okay lavender oil and then i was like that's an essential oil right and i mean i know again what essential oil is just like i I had a general idea of what gauntlets were but then i was like i don't really know just stuff you buy on like in little jars that are you know that look cool or like your, um, I don't know, little tiny jars that are usually frosted colored with a cool black lid. Um, hey, Mountain, you ever use any essential oil? Uh, when it's a fungus on my foot, a uh, master give me for a foot fungus, I do, and it go away first very fast, uh, two, two, three weeks, down, uh, very nice stuff, I believe it smells like. Oh, great. So I guess Mountain does use essential oils. Wow. Uh, he's, you're not, but you're pretty good. Mountain, you want to come a little closer to the mic? Oh, yes, this is mine. Hello, I'm Mountain. I do, what is this on my ears? Hello, hello. Okay, I just came in, give me that. I want to talk on the mic. No, 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 one another time. Okay, shoot. Okay, so essential oil. Let's find out what it is. How about that, Mountain? Just pretend you're gathered around and I'm, I'm like, you were probably in some kind of scouts, right? Some sort of junior... Warriors when you were little? Uh, yes, a uh, firebrand boys. Firebrand boys. I was, uh, yes. Okay, so pretend we're on a firebrand boys trip and I'm your counselor and or whatever. I kill my counselor for uh, touching me. There you go. Getting too close to my bed. Roll. Okay, well, I'm not that counselor. I'm a different one. And I'm going to tell you all about essential oils tonight, guys. And how we prevent things like foot fungus. Wouldn't you want to know how this magic works? It's not magic, it's science, uh, the alchemy. Okay, thanks. <laughs> okay. I should have never opened this Pandora's box. There's no such thing as Pandora's box. It's a okay. Uh, if I want to throw it to you, I'll look, I'll make eye contact. Whoa. Maybe I don't want to make eye contact with you, Mountain, but I'll, like, make one eye contact with you, okay? I Mountain understand good. I, I have that in battle. It, one eye contact me, chop off head. Okay, great. But don't chop off my head. Essential oil. I'm going to have to get through this quick. Essential oil. An essential, essential oil is a concentrated hydrophobic liquid. I thought hydrophobic... Oh, yeah, remember, it didn't mean being afraid of hydrophobic. It's a molecule 
seemingly repelled from massive water. This is from Wikipedia. Liquid containing, a hydrophobic liquid containing volatile aroma compounds from plants. Essential oils are also known as volatile oils, erythral oils, or aerythiolia, or simply the oil of the plant from which they are extracted, such as oil of clove. An oil is essential in the sense that it contains the essence of the plant's fragrance, the characteristic fragrance of the plant from which it is derived. Essential oils do not form a distinctive category for any medical, pharmacological, or culinary purpose. They are not essential for help. Essential oils are generally extracted by distillation, often using steam. Other processes include processes, 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 oh, thanks, uh, include expression or solvent extraction. They are used in perfumes, cosmetics, soaps, and other products for flavoring food or drinks and for adding scents to incense, household cleaning products. Essential oils have been used medicinally. Um, with aromatherapy, distillation. Today's most common essential oils, such as lavender, which we were brought on peppermint and eucalyptus are distilled raw palate materials consisting of flowers, leaves, wood, bark, roots, seeds, or peel are put in an elmbic distillation apparatus over water. As the water is heated, the steam passes through the plant materials, vaporizing into the volatile compounds. The va- Talk about a volatile compound. What, what, hold on. Mountain. What do you... But don't put. Why are you putting things in your mouth, man? I don't mind. Want to taste this? It's like noticing. Yeah. Oh God. Okay. Hold on again, folks. Man, don't put. Listen. Are you hungry? I want to like a leg of lamb. Okay. I don't have any legs of lamb. You. How about this mountain? I think I hear like I hear chain mail outside. Can you go check? See if there's any chain mail. And just cor- anything you see, corner it. Don't attack it. Okay, mountain sea. You say probably attack us. Cool. Brotherhood without banners could be outside. Yeah, probably. Could be like a scout, though. Probably just don't engage. You understand no engaging, right? Just cornering and uh, scouting for you, too. Mountain knows it's not good scouts or loud, but I frighten away. Beautiful. Don't engage. Just frighten away. I'll be back. No, no, don't. I'll come out to you to bet. I have your, I'm your backup. Okay, I'll be back. Oh, I won't be back. You'll be back up to me. Right, and I'll give you the one eye if I need you to behead anybody. Okay. Okay, so my, Sorry, mountain. Wow, I don't even think I would lo- like, I'm like, it's not mountains not half bad. I mean, I mean, like if, um, the vapors flow through a coil where they condense back into a liquid which is collected in a receiving vessel. Most oils are distilled in a single process. The recondensed water is often, often is referred to as hydrosol, hydrosol, hydroslat, hydrolat, herbal distillate, or plant water essence and may be sold as another fragrant product. Some things are expressed, uh, cold-pressed, like citruses. Some are s- extracted through solvents. Probably not um, production quantities, pharmacology. I don't want to get into pharmacology. I'm sure that 
You guys could, you know, uses in aromatherapy, dilution. Uh, essential oils are usually lipophilic, literally oil-loving compounds that are usually not miscible, mis, mis, miscible with water. It's not mixable, mixable like mispronounced. It's M-I-S-C-I-B-L-E. Looks like imbecile, which is me. Double imbecile, I mean, a team imbecile with me in the mountain. No, don't. I didn't call you, man. You got good hearing. You got an imbecile. No, miss, miscable. Uh, with water. Yeah, go away. It's just chain mail outside. Okay. Um, ethanol. Essential oils are derived from sections of plants. There's lots of different ones. Lavender oil, though is uh, known to be mild, relaxing, and appropriate for most ages and genders. It doesn't have a citation, though. However, there's you know, can cause problems, and it's also an insect-repellent citation needed. Dangers. The potential danger of an essential oil is generally rel- relative to its level or grade of purity. Men- many essential oils are designed exclusively for their aromic ther- aromatherapeutic quality, and they should not be applied to the skin in their undiluted or neat form. Some can cause severe irritation. So yeah, don't you know, don't mess with this stuff unless you know what you're doing or you talk to somebody that does. Uh, pesticide residues. There's some concern about pesticide residues in essential oils, especially those used therapeutically. For this reason, many practitioners of aromatherapy buy organically produced oils. So that's something to look out for. Flammability, the flashpoint of each oil is different, so you know, be careful. Toxicology, we don't just don't drink it. So it's essential oils, not a very good job, but I have a man known as the mountain who literally smells like he was oh my goodness. Like you know what is you see cartoons with garbage that has like those fish bones and bananas and all that stuff mixed together. That's what he smells like. And he's also incredibly distracting, like a, he, a bit like Bluto, uh, I think. Was that Bluto? Popeye's arch enemy. Is that Bluto? Man, actually, I'm going to have to look. Maybe a, and, uh, I guess that's an archetype, huh? Because then you have, uh, doesn't Mickey Mouse have a, a Pete? Isn't Pete or somebody Mickey Mouse's enemy? And he's a bit like a, a Bluto type, too. So now I got my, I, I got to stick with, is, is this guy going to be moving in with me, you think? What should I, how do you handle this with a lunatic? And I don't even know how he got here. I was just in the middle of that segment. I look over, he's sitting there. Um, and I had already sworn vengeance against him and his father. Uh, hopefully he doesn't find out, I'm sure. He's actually a slightly more, well, actually, significantly more intelligent than I thought, or that he sounds like. Uh, well, I don't know. We'll f- we'll find out, I guess. So I got to move on to the rest of the segments. I'm going to refocus. What I'll do is I'm going to send him. I send him out to the store for some milk. What could possibly go wrong with that? And, um, and or maybe I don't know. I, I'm going to take a break and then I'll, I'll get back. I, I, I'll just do the. Uh, Tom and the prayers, hopefully. Hello, this is a... Hello, 
This is Tommen, Lord Tommen, Sir Tommen again, reporting in from my room again, yet another night alone in my room, banned from leaving, and only uh, to deal with Sir Lancel coming to see me to say uh, he actually tries to be nice to me. I think he has a, a side... Uh, frightens me because he looks a bit like me and he does he says he comes in and I say um oh, is my mother with you and he says what are you talking about I don't smell like lavender oil Tom and you're having a spell and I say oh okay I didn't wouldn't say anything about lavender oil uh, but uh, to sense my mother's essence here in a non and Lancel says please stop talking I say, okay, well, should I start screaming for the guards? And Lancel says, Tom and we haven't had any room guarded in ages. We just lock you in here. And I say, oh, that's why no one responds to my cries but Sir Pounce. And I'm off track already. This is the tale of Sir Pounce, the greatest cat that's ever lived, the greatest cat ever known, the greatest cat who's ever been best friends with a boy named Tommen, and this is the tales of Sir Pounce, not the tales of Sir Tommen locked in his room against his will with Sir Lancel. Oh, yes, I'm so proud to be telling you Sir Pounce and the Quest 08 is about to come to a close, maybe, I believe, because Sir Pounce meant when, when, what, what, Sir Pounce? When, Sir when? Okay, okay, Sir Pounce. So Pounce said Wancel Wan, and what he means is he wants to uh, claw Sir Lancel uh, a lot. And I said, sure, I will uh, put you in his pants one day, and you can claw away at him. Anyway, so Sir Pounce was in Lannisport, in Castel, looking up at Castellay Rock, which sits above Lannisport, I think... I don't know. They say I don't listen to my lessons because I'm staring out the window. So they put me in a room with no windows. And then they say I don't listen to my lessons because I'm staring at the walls. So then they say, oh, put horse blinders on the boy. That was a Marin, Sir Marin. And Jeff said, that'll get him his lessons. And then that uh, maester said, bless your boy. What the hell did you put a... Blinders on a boy got put po- and then they put pony blinders on me, and now they call me pony blinders. Oh well, but so Sir Pounce is in Lannisport, and Sir Pounce was there, and he he was uh, triumphantly returning. He thought, and he thought all the lady cats will be calling on me. Sir Pounce returning back to uh, whence he came, whence whence I brought him as a little baby cat. Uh, the father had re- a baby cat kitten. The father had rescued, and father had said he found him in a case of wine that he had fallen on. I don't know what his father said, something about it, and uh, so Sir Pounce was there. No cats. He couldn't find a cat. Around, not a boy cat, not a girl cat, not any cats. And he said he would go to the impoverished area of Lannisport, which I don't even know. I think they just call it Dirty Town. 
Mother says, don't even think about it. That's where the dirty, something, I don't know. She always makes this face that even, they call it her bathroom face. Okay, just that's, that's all I need to say. It's about, said, man, where are all these cats? Where are all the cats of our kingdom? And finally, Sipouts found a, a, a rat. And the rat was like, oh boy. And the rat looked so full, full, full of food and and uh, fat. And Sipouts said, I could easily catch you down, so don't go anywhere. And the, the mouse uh, rat said, okay, man. And Sipouts said, where the hell are all the cats, brother? And the rat said, they're gone. The cats are gone. They've been sent off as a part of some plan by uh, that that guy with the uh, cold, ice-cold face. And Sipouts said, ice-cold face. Is that uh, Tommen's grandfather, the scariest, coldest man alive? And the rat said, who's Tommen? And Sipouts said, well, that's my best friend. The best friend a cat could have, said Tommen. I'm going to have to, you know, mess you up. And the rat said, sorry, man, I don't uh, take history classes about the coolest humans ever to live and one day to be, you know, rise above his being trotted upon to be great. And Sipat said, oh, I'm glad. I'm glad you understand. It's a great Tommen. Will not be ever, you know, Tommen will rise up. And Cat Rat said, oh, yeah, sure. But they took them all. They put them on a boat, and they said it was some plan to spread uh, some cat disease around the north. And Sipat said, well, that's a bummer, man. And what are you guys doing? And the rat said, well, most of the rats are gone because... Uh, they had to feed the cats. Then, they, you know, they, so they brought a lot of rats. And there's not a lot of food around here, man. It's rough times because of war's on. And Sipouts said, well, boy, man, I need a little, uh, I'm looking for a lady cat. And the rat said, well, you're going to have to find, he goes, oh, you know, I'll tell you what, man. Now, out there in the woods, there's the, uh, the woods of, uh, Woods of Woe, I don't know if you've heard of it and any stories, other stories, but they're just up there over the hill, and that's where uh, Tywin and some, you know, some bad stuff happened once upon a time. Maybe it was even before Tywin was born. And they say those woods are haunted, but I'll tell you what, us rats, we know there's something way worse than ghosts in there for rats. Wild cats, man. Wild cats. That's a... Sipouts said, wildcats, eh? And yeah, the rat said, so if you go in there, you might not come back out, but if you do, you know, you might find some, you know, lady wildcats. So Sipouts went off to this woods alone. He went in there, and it was dark, and it was scary, and there was noises, and there was strange things and shadows. And Sipouts was like, and he said, okay, I don't never seen a wildcat before, and I don't know what would happen. And, uh... So I don't know if I've, I've ever fought anything wild, pure wild. Because I've, I've went on that bull riding thing, and uh, I did. Uh, they threw me in that pit with the bear, but I well, that was different. And then Sipouts noticed something was following him, and his cat, you know, senses were were alert, but also thrown off because he's like, "Oh, this sounds like somebody's jamming my cat signals." And so he, he jumped into a log and he hid. And pretty soon he found thump, thump on the log, something big and something heavy.
and it said he sniffed uh, something sniffing, and then they said it jumped down and looked around, and he saw looking at it was this cat with giant, giant front teeth, and Sir Pounce started to giggle, and he said he giggled so much the log rolled, and then the log broke, and the this cat with the big teeth was looking at him, licking its chops, and said, I'm a man, what are you? You're no rat, and you're no wild cat. And Sir Pounce said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, your teeth are huge, man. Those front teeth, what, what do you got now? You guys don't have uh, any kind of, uh, you never lived in a castle, have you? Is that why you guys are wild? You have, your teeth are crazy. And the cat said, what are you talking about? I use these for, uh, I, I, I use these for threatening. Most animals find them threatening, but I use them for digging usually because I eat a lot of insects. And so Pat says, those things are great, man. Oh, they look like a couple of uh, teeth that have grown. And Sir Pounce kept laughing, and the cat said, uh, The cat said, oh, You're hurting my esteem. And Sir Pounce said, Well, there's something wild about you, wild cat. And, uh, you know, I notice you're, uh, you've got that, you know, look about you. You're a lady wild cat, I'm going to assume. And she said, I am. And, uh, you know, I was looking for a morsel to eat. And Sir Pounce said, well, uh, I'll tell you what, uh, I've never kissed a wild cat before. I don't know how we would do it with those giant teeth of yours. And, uh, of course, I said, uh, Sir Pounce, cats kiss? I never, well, I've never seen cats kiss before. Usually with the other cats you were just, if we, if, I thought you said you hip-kissed them. And then Sir Pounce said, we could come and tell this is a story. And uh, so the uh the cat says, oh, well, you, you still on, on my teeth. And Sir Pounce said, uh, you know, I could, if I rub my head about against your teeth, can you feel that? And the cat said, no. Well, I kind of can in my jaw. And Sir Pounce said, what if I rub up against your teeth and I purr because it feels good? And the cat said, good gracious goodness, that is that vibration you're purring is sending through my teeth is going straight into my brain and down to my abdominal long bagata, um, part that constantly controls most of my subconscious movements or whatever the heck you call it. My heart is leaking goodness. And suppose I kept rubbing that thing, and the next thing you know, that cat started to purr like a thousand kittens in a giant bucket of milk but they were you know in a good way not in a bad way and he said I, I plucked them wild wild whiskers Tom and you wouldn't believe and I almost lost an eye and even that I even held on to that tooth once and I said whoa boy yeah well so Tom and man you can hold on to the teeth and it was so good Oof. I said, Sir Pounce, what you, hold on to the teeth. What do you mean, hold on to the teeth? For leverage, Tom. You gotta give it. I might have to return. Which, Tom, what do you think? We go back to Lannisport and uh, get back there. You know, Casterly Rock, Woods of Woe. Why, Tom, I would never go to the Woods of Woe, Sir Pounce. Oh, boy, we had that, Tom. And, 
You know, you're humans with giant teeth, do you? Well, I don't know, Sapones. I'm still not... So, okay, okay. I'll finish round with round. Round some round. Okay, so Sapounce, that's time's up. And so that is the tale of Sapounce and the cat with the giant teeth and part of the part of uh, Sapounce's ongoing quest to wait, which I think he may, I don't know, but I need to go because Sapounce, they got rid of that chair. And so now Sapounce has me to um, do something with the blinds and then he says, don't look. So I have to arrange the blinds a certain way with, never mind, Sapout says, don't talk about it, he's shaking his head at me. So thank you for listening, this is Sir Tommen and Sapout, the boy who is all alone except for the greatest cat who's ever lived, the best friend a boy could have, and the best friend a cat could have, Tommen and Sapout, good night. Time prayer in, crone, sweet crone, Miller Smith, Bardicky, Jester, it's me, usual, you know, you know who it is, obviously, you're, you're God, I, mean, I would hope you've got some sort of, uh, they don't even have caller, they used to have this thing called caller ID, gods, it came out, and people used telephones, and it would show who was calling, it was kind of a big, big deal, because it was a new thing, and uh, you could see somebody's number in there, or if they did you know, if it was a, Used to be these people that would call you to try to sell you stuff, God. So it's really annoying. Uh, it's good, good gratitude, filled with gratitude. That's gone. But you know, it's gonna. It's a, it's a joke that past. It's times past that you would you know see if you guys had prayer ID to see how I was praying in. But um, some we take for granted the power of the phone, the cellular phone. Now, I think I don't. I don't know. I don't even make any calls over the cellular waves anymore, gods. I make it all over the internet. Much cheaper. I'll go over for the data, depending on your data plan. But you, you know, problem. I don't know if that's problems. You, what's the tech situation? And well, George R. R. Martin would not be happy about me talking to you about this, gods. And that's what brings me to point. I got to get in action, I know, and get this um, fake hound, maybe, but Cat Stevens and uh, Aristotle. Problem is, guys, my memory is horrible. And especially when you get into the, like, I think the problem started in season four, and now it's only season two. Some of you can relate to that problem. I was like, huh. And so I know that I had some problems with Cat Stevens and Aristotle in the fake hound, but he's fake hound I'm not really worried about. He's just a whatever tool in more ways than one. But uh, I think Aristotle has a fantasy fiction time machine, but then I also remember I made that made in love machine. I think one of them tried to steal that uh, thing. But maybe that was the fake hound. But Maiden, that was where it was a little machine, I thought. You know, I think we talked about it. Don't come a knocking when the maiden fantasy machine is a rocking, that type of thing. Uh, so I know Cat Stevens is out there. I think, gods, um, 
I don't watch a lot of procedurals or investigation shows, but this is definitely an investigation to find them. I did read some Agatha Christie novels for the first time about four months or two, four months of the summertime, and they were wonderful, God. So if you're Barky, I'm not giving you any more library books, so send me some magical acorns or something. I'll buy them for you. Uh, well, actually, I probably have those copies. So I, I read um, one where all everybody's on the island one. It had two different names, and then there were none, I think, is the, the newer name. And then I read the one where they're all on a train. Uh, both have pejorative possible words in the original titles, but not important, God's, uh But both were great. And I'm not, like, so timeless when you read them. Very timeless. I don't know how it's six, but great. Very good, very well written, very entertaining. Fortunately, I didn't get any tips out of it. I should have been saying, okay, well, how does that guy do it? The uh, Belgian guy or whatever, French guy. I think he's Belgian. I don't know. Uh, I know this one I'm never going to say right. Pirio, Perot, Pirat, Hercule, Pirio. I don't know. But anyway, I'm not him. But he's good at figuring stuff out. But I got to find the Cat Stevens, and I don't even remember what what's our beef that started it. And I know Aristotle tried to get me with his, uh, I'm not even sure. But I know I got to catch them at least because they should not be running around Westeros mucking around. I mean, neither, technically I shouldn't. But now I'm trying to fix things, so of course I'm doing your will, your biddings, because somehow, well, if I guess if you get rid of them, that would return things to some sort of balance there. And you, but I'll still be around. I still got mine, so I'll just break their fantasy fiction time machine. And uh, so I don't know how to catch them. Is why I'm prayered in. Basically, I don't know where to start. I mean, most of my uh, scheming abilities come from. Movies, TV, pop culture stuff, something, and usually the situation you do a couple things, maybe set a trap, you know, find some bait, or um, set a trap by like making a making them mad at me, so mad that that would be like the uh, uh, you can't handle the truth trap, where then they're so mad they come and get me. Or just somewhere with other trap, uh, like a Roadrunner, a Wiley e. Coyote one, you know, be like, okay, man, I got this brand new guitar and a totally, I got this total uh, leaf hat, what do they call them, ivy crown. I'm just going to leave them here and take a nap over here, you know, spread these leaves around, you know, buy this brand new guitar, rare, rare guitar, Stradivarian, I believe, made this guitar. And yeah, this uh, book of, uh, uh, you know, the book by this real smart guy contradicting all Aristotle's stuff. But I'll just leave him here and I'm going to lie down, take a nap, and um, maybe I'll even drink too much wine and pass out. And hopefully my guitar and my philosophy tomes and my uh, ivy or whatever hat. And I got that nice white robe there that is so comfortable. 
and some incense and um, meditation stuff and um, beard trimmer just in case anybody needs a beard trim. All that stuff I'm going to keep it in my bag and uh, leave it around and rest and just slift, drift off into sleep. I don't know, God, are you still with me? I'm sorry. That's one idea. Uh, get them mad. So the, the traps, do you think that sounds dumb, gods? I mean, you can be honest with me. You think they'd fall for that? I mean, be honest, I don't, I mean, I know the fake hound's dumb, but I don't know about Aristotle and Cat Stevens. I think they're pretty crafty. So I can, so the other thing is to track them down and be like, are they setting a trap for me? But then that could get into the old double trap situation. Like, it's like, oh, I'm trapped. Shushum. Tables are turned yet again. Aristotle and Cat Stevens. Or I could just start singing. Maybe that's what I'll... Okay, this is it, guys. I got the plan. Good. Th- you guys are the best at helping me brainstorm. Oh, thank you. My gratitude for you, gods. So this is what... The, I got the plan. Here's what we're going to do. Um... Smith, Barky, I need you guys to get together, whip me up some guitar, throw some magic in there from those, you know, magic types that, you know, I can look like I'm playing it, but I don't even know how to strum. I know some people are like, well, I'm trying to learn a chord or two. Me, I don't know strumming. So, you know, I could probably fake it, but I need some kind of self-playing guitar, like a they call it air guitar here, but that's when you're told, like, I need a fake guitar that, you know, so I can um, lip sync guitar, guitar sync, not air guitar, because I need an actual. So you guys get on that. And then Miller, I need you to make up some kind of grits that I can drink and eat. That'll gritify my voice. Maybe Crone, you could help him with that, age out my tones and... um Maybe, you know, give me some curly locks that I can grow out. What I'm going to do, I'll become a little bit of a bard, a troubadour, a minstrel, and I'll start hitting up. I'll start touring around Westeros, and I'll be like, yeah, no, I'm, hi, everybody. How you doing? Um, yeah, I'm a traveling minstrel philosopher, and I got songs that examine the human condition and you might wonder if you're in forms or, you know, poetics of, uh, you know, I'm going to wax on some poetics of story, narrative, structure type stuff. And then I'm going to say, everything to you. You know, I want to start a philosophy that's new. Baby, I'm not sure if this is a form or if it be real and if you want to think, take good care. There's a lot of false forms out there. Just, uh, you know, something and beware. Boom, boom. Ooh, baby, baby, it's a philosophizing world. It's hard to get by without some poetic pearls. Boom. So I'll do that. But I'll do like all those. That's by the way, guys. That's a Cat Stevens song. Barky, there were some on the freaking iPod I gave you. Uh, but uh, so I'll do that. That's that's a hundred percent. That's uh, uh, I mean I I don't think I came up with the plan. You guys put it in my brain. I know I'm not. I'm I'm humble. Humble. 
humble now. So I'll just do that. I'll start jamming. I'll, I'll probably see uh, if I can get my hands on a couple of Aristotle books so I can, you know, get really Aristotelian. Aristotelian? Maybe I could say that. I'm a Rastatilian, bro. <laughs> I'm bringing it to you, you people of Westeros. I'm, uh, I'm dropping some Rastatilian. And uh, you could totally mash up some Bob Mar- I don't want to get Bob Marley mad. I like him. I like Cat Stevens originally and Aristotle, but not these ones that are out. So that'll, that'll set the trap. And then uh, we'll spring the trap. I don't actually have the trap part. I just have the bait, and I, you know, it's best if I'm the bait. Maiden, you know, maybe if you want to listen to me sing, uh, let's see if I could uh, do another. Uh, um, I don't know how many Cat Stevens songs I know off the top of my head, Maiden. I know Father and Son. Uh, take a change, just relax. Let me take off your slippers. You're a maiden, you look so good. You got that sexy little robe. You're up in Westeros' heaven. And I'm calling you down here to listen to me. Pretend that I'm Cat Stevens and Aristotle. Aristotle. I don't know if that was was a little father. Um, I was once like the warrior and the father and the mother. They ignored the sweet old maiden and the sons of sons. I'll work on it, don't worry. This was to Saturday night and I ain't got no maiden. I want a maiden I could call my own. It sounds a little desperate, I know, Maiden. I'm just, you know, mostly I'll just be, you know, waxing, you know, seriously, I'll be doing some philo- 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 philosophizing and singing. And I'm sure, hopefully, I got to be able to build up an audience for it. Maybe I could just sell it like the podcast and say it's going to bore you to sleep, but I don't think that would make Cat Stevens and Aristotle jealous. And, um, I don't know if you guys could uh, give me a, a so sidekick. I could call him Socrates. No, we probably don't want to get anybody else. You know, before. so that's it, yeah, it's, it's I'm thankfully gave me a plan, and that's my new plan. It sounds like an old plan. I don't know if I, I remember, but this wouldn't be non-religious. So I'll be out in the, you know, bars and pubs and inns, but it'll be you know I won't be getting into religion. I'll be getting into philosophy, poetics. And other books by Aristotle, you know, the ones that I know about that I'm not saying right now. And, of course, the whole catalog of Cat Stevens, not just his greatest hits, but his hits and his, you know, misses. But mostly his hits, I guess, because that, it'll work because Cat Stevens' songs are good and easy on the ears, maybe even when I sing them. Um, uh Ooh, maiden, maiden, you're a wild girl. But I don't know. It's hard to get by without a little Aristotle. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. I think there's another one. Did Marky Mark cover all uh, Cat Stevens' songs? Or just, uh, wow, wow. I oh, know that was a Lou Reed song, this other one. 
So that's it, guys. I mean, I'm, I'm out there. I'm going to be doing this. This is my plan. So I need that guitar for real. I mean, I'm not even praying. It's not for me. I'm not asking for the guitar for me. I'm asking for it for George R. R. Martin, Weiss, Benioff, and pretty much all of Westeros to keep them safe from my lunacy because I shouldn't have never got involved. So thank you guys for this great opportunity. I will be Cat Aristotle or uh, Aristotle Stevens. Yeah, Aristotle Stevens, you're right. The cat. Aristotle Stevens, the cat. Yeah, tonight, performing at the uh, Inn of uh, Green Gables. Aristotle Stevens, the cat. Hey, lady, well, I even got a hell with this kid. Hey, how you doing, everybody? Tonight, I'm going to lay down some, uh, you know, you ever think about uh, life, the meaning of life? I got a song about that. All right, so that's it, guys. I'll be reporting back. Thank you for this wonderful opportunity, and good night.